0: Welcome to the Mass Bar B podcast, the official podcast of the Massachusetts Bar Association. It's available free to members of the bar as well as the public. We feature lively discussions about important legal developments, interesting stories about NBA members, and helpful practical information about the law that matters to all of us. Hello, Jordan Rich with you. Tis the season for stress reduction. Certainly the case for the general population, but here on the Mass Bar Beat podcast today, we're looking at the impact of stress on attorneys and the importance to tending to mental health issues before things get out of hand. Two wonderful guests today here to help define the issue, but they're also here to provide hope and help. With us is attorney Marianne LeBlanc with Sugarman & Sugarman in Boston. Marianne is the co-chair of the MBA Lawyer Well-Being Committee that we'll talk about. Also happy to have with us today, Andy Kang, a licensed independent therapist who specializes in working with professionals, many of whom are lawyers. Andy himself was an attorney for 10 years. And my first question is for Andy. You've got an interesting background and have chosen to help people and you do it well. What compelled you to change careers and become a therapist?
1: I had a 10-year a, a career as a litigator in Boston and through a, a series of events had a, a massive sort of implosion of many things all at the same time. And out of those ashes, I decided that I needed to do some work that uh, was going to allow me to help people and provide me with a bit more meaning than what I was doing at that time. Uh, I could have... I probably switched uh, switched jobs within the law, but I decided to switch careers altogether and and go into social work, um, which is a choice that to this day I don't regret because it really did give me what I was looking for in terms of being able to help people on a day-to-day basis and Mm. getting the feedback I needed from that.
0: That really changed her life and changed it for the better because now you're helping others. And Marianne, thank you for being here as well, the co-chair of the MBA Lawyer Well-Being Committee. Talk a little bit about what the MBA is set up to do here.
2: Sure. And thank you, Jordan. Uh, So the MBA in 2020 formed its Lawyer Well-Being Committee, which I should point out uh, was formed after our Supreme Judicial Court had formed first a steering committee and then a standing committee on lawyer well being as part of a national recognition of the real crisis in lawyer well being that uh, has existed for a long time uh, but has now finally come to the forefront. Uh, Jordan, the statistics are really quite. Uh, sobering in that um, there is very hard data that lawyers um, uh, suffer from problematic drinking at much, much higher levels than the general population, mental health issues which often unfortunately go unaddressed due to the stigma uh, surrounding uh, getting help in our profession and and that data uh, has been confirmed as as recently as this year, 2021, with um, roughly half of lawyers surveyed uh, suffering from symptoms of depression and anxiety and over half screening positively for risky drinking. Um, So the MBA uh, committee that I'm proud to be uh, a part of is uh, really working aggressively on those issues. We have a strategic plan, part of which is focused on trying to destigmatize these help-seeking behaviors and really educate our lawyers about Mm. how they can help themselves and the folks they work with.
0: Give us an overview as to what's happening to people when they enter the field and they're unprepared.
1: Sure, sure. We all know the old saw about how law school doesn't really prepare you to be a lawyer and so even as people come out of law school gunning and ready to go um, it's a whole new ball game once you start practicing and the expectations and the what's at stake is really much greater Um, so I think that when people enter into practice, they are, in a sense, starting from square one. We're learning on the job what to do. I, I, I think of it as law school really teaches you the language you need. But then practice is about learning how to use that language in a focused way, depending on what your specialty is. And in that you're starting from zero and so it depends a lot on the mentors you have and the people who are teaching you how to do it and there is a a widespread sense for for new lawyers that they don't know what they're doing and that people aren't really showing them step by step how to do things Um, that we're really expected to hit the ground running and know what's going on and then layer on top of that the expectation that we don't make any mistakes, Mm. um, which I think most new lawyers come to the practice with, you know, we're talking about high achieving, overachieving people in general. So they're already not so well suited to making mistakes. And when you're starting any new endeavor, you're going to be making plenty of them.
0: The stakes are very high because you're dealing with people's lives and lots of money in some cases. And Marianne, are we talking about a disparity between the uh, the country lawyer out in Western Massachusetts who opens up a shop as opposed to the uh, downtown Boston super stressed high rise law firm where things happen? Are we finding it similar on both ends?
2: Yeah, this is not a problem that's, that's relegated to one group of lawyers, Jordan. Uh, this is widespread. So it's Your solo attorneys, your small firm lawyers, your public interest lawyers, your big firm lawyers. Um, In in fact, our solo uh, practitioners um, suffer uh, from immense pressures when you imagine that they are um, handling their own shops, the financial pressures that go along with that, sometimes not having support in their office to cover them when they've got multiple uh, obligations um, and isolation. Isolation is a big part of the stress uh, that lawyers suffer from because they're often so overburdened um, that they're not feeling connected to others. So this is a widespread issue uh, throughout the profession.
0: Mm-hmm. The the public image of attorneys is often shaped, Andy, by television and film and and the, the books and so forth. And uh, in the old days, it was always the Perry Mason's and uh, Burke's Law and all these superheroic figures. Nowadays, I think the more accurate uh, rendition of a lawyer might be better call Saul, <laughs> you know, because there's a guy who's got all kinds of issues and a lot of it is related directly to the job. So um, what about the young lawyers or the young lawyers to be in law school? You mentioned they don't train you to be ready for this. Is it about time we did? And is there any move to move forward with legal training and also life training in law school.
1: It, it's a great point. I, I love that show. Call Saul. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love his, his ability to think on his feet, which is really one of the, the biggest, most important traits any lawyer would have. But to answer your question, yes, uh, we are finally seeing in law schools quite a bit more focused training both the vocational training of learning how to do the nuts and bolts of law practice in terms of practicums, but also I've been involved with Boston College Law School in several efforts to bring the notion of mental health into the classroom to people having people talk about their stories and talk about what the real pressures are that students are going to face when they get out there and starting to establish pipelines for Mm. getting them help early Uh, because Mm -hmm. as we all know too, law school is no easy effort in itself and people are plenty stressed there. So the sooner they start looking at those things and not just pretending that they're, supermen and women the better.
0: And Andy, for the myriad of listeners who are members of the MBA, uh, lawyers from all over the country and beyond, and the general population, let's talk about the spiral effect that mental health issues take. And Marianne related the abuse, alcohol and so forth, other, other abuses. If you don't check it early, it starts to really get ahead of you. And then it's tougher down the line to take care of it. Comment, if you will, on that.
1: Sure. Uh, One one of the things that works really well to alleviate stress in the moment is alcohol. Uh, Alcohol and other substances help us to numb out for a minute or an hour or a day. And often that's just what we need. Um, But the problem is that when you start to rely on that tool too heavily, those things become problems in and of themselves because they're addictive. And that's right. how pe- that's how people end up in trouble you know 5 10 years down the road
0: depression which i've had some experience with it's not pleasant but it it can disguise itself somebody might appear to be uh, very angry very hot-headed very forward-thinking sometimes manic these are all things that the individual should be aware of but i would imagine other people around them family friends and colleagues should be aware of
1: absolutely uh, w- w- one of the things that lawyers are exceedingly good at is covering that up, <laughs> is is making sure that they're putting forward the best face possible. So it's really incumbent upon people who know the individual to point out if there are things that are standing out because strangers aren't necessarily going to know. They might just think, as you said, that oh, this is an angry person, but people who are close to them are much more likely to be able to identify that as that there's something else going on underneath. Right.
0: And we're fighting stigma. Stigma has to be fought on this issue. So important. Marianne, uh, the holidays, (laughs) as we record this, we're just a few weeks out of Thanksgiving and Christmas is right around the corner. And this particular holiday season will be different than last because we'll be able to go out more and connect with friends and family. But the additional stressors, particularly on lawyers, let's talk about that from your point of view.
2: I think what is difficult is that uh, just because the holidays are upon us doesn't mean that our work lets up. Um, if anything, it gets uh, more intense at the end of the year. Um, many of us have end of the year obligations with respect to our practices and um that that can be really difficult because you want to be out and connecting with people especially this year as you point out um, so it can get really hard to balance that and it can really um compound the isolation uh when you think gee i'm the only one who's not out and and having fun and and woe is me um, and uh but, that, but that's a real sort of self-pity because uh, you, you really may be the only one not out there. So it can be a really difficult time of year to carve out that time. Um, and what, it's so important that we do so.
0: And the end of the year is very important in, in legal terms because of the end of the year, the calendar, busy time for attorneys, for accountants, for a lot of people dealing with paperwork. Andy, I would imagine too that, like all of us, we're stressed about our family and getting them the presents they need and want and making sure we're, you know, arranging the get togethers and doing all that family stuff. When a lawyer is working into the night, 10, 11, 12 midnight on briefs, that's that's a lot of pressure, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's an immense amount of pressure. It, do, it doesn't need more pressure heaped on top of that. Not just lawyers, but and everybody feels stress around the holidays. In fact, the number of calls I get goes up quite a bit come Thanksgiving. Mm. Right around Thanksgiving through the to the beginning of the year, I get way more calls, and I get much, many more inquiries about dealing with stress. And so, for lawyers who are already busy and already having additional responsibilities, come the end of the year, um, the holidays can can really put it over the
0: top. I think we need to talk about some COBE mechanisms and some help right now. Let's be positive. And that's the goal of the Mass Bars Committee. And I'll start with you, Marianne. What are some of the moves the committee has put into place to help attorneys who are members and non-members for that matter? What What is out there to help?
2: So we are trying to focus on, first of all, helping people to focus on their own individual well-being, um, understanding that uh, as a lawyer, well-being it is not a luxury that they can't afford. It's actually a necessity. It's necessary to be a competent lawyer that you be well. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be our best selves every moment of the day, but the the definition we use uh, for well being is a process in which we're striving to thrive emotionally, occupationally, uh, physically, socially, trying to work on on those things self care um, we have uh, at the mba put forth a toolkit uh, for um, bar associations focused on well-being it is posted on our website and also the sjc well-being committee's website and it provides a lot of great resources uh, for lawyers individually and also within their own individual bar associations our county bars for example the affinity bars um, so that they can get these uh, messages out to their members.
0: Andy, what are some of the tools in your toolkit? Because uh, you're doing this every day and really in helping people right there on the spot. What are some of the uh, the possibilities that you offer?
1: Sure, sure. I, I did want to just mention too. I appreciate the the mention of the affinity bars because there are frequently large cultural deviances and, and variations mm-hmm. that happen with for for different culture. Uh, lawyers, but I like to start with really trying to plan ahead and set expectations. You know, we know that the holidays are coming. We know it all year yet. Frequently we end up Thanksgiving day, wondering where the Turkey is or Christmas day, wondering when, when are we going to go shop for presents? Hmm. And so the more you can plan ahead and do little chunks at a time, that's certainly going to make things easier when when the time comes. Um, In terms of expectations. It's it's really more about expectations for the self. Can you be all things to all people at all times? Uh, Lawyers were trained to say yes to that question, unequivocally. And so you're going against your training when you say, maybe I can't do that, or maybe I need some help here. And who is available within my circle who can help me do some shopping or who can help me cook some of the meals. Um, and I, I find that this for, for female lawyers is a particularly important question because they are often asked to do much more of the work around the holidays and in all areas. So to be able to ask your family and ask the people around you to to help out really works well.
0: I was just going to jump in here and uh, I, I love what you're saying. Delegating is such a great talent. Once you develop it, you don't want to give it up. It's great. Mary Ann's nodding. Saying no is not hard once you get into the habit. But also uh, the vulnerability thing, the fact that we're all human. And you're both saying a lot about the pressures put on this particular vocation because of the, the image that's been built up. And, and you always have to be right. It doesn't mean that you can't be vulnerable. So Andy, is admitting you have an issue and asking for help really an important first step?
1: I think it's the key to everything. Vulnerability is is one of our buzzwords these days, but it it is so for a good reason because uh, getting help is okay. All people are inherently vulnerable. It's just that in in this particular profession, it's become not okay. Uh, There's a few other professions that share that trait, but it is because we are not wanting to portray or show any weakness in the event that it might be used against us in, in, in work. But we're talking about work, but we're also talking about family. So any lawyer out there has probably had family members say to them, hey, stop lawyering me. You don't have to lawyer me right now. And that's because we take this attitude and this approach into our lives out of the office. And so this uh, holidays is one of those places where it's really important to try to put that
0: down. And Marianne, attorneys have written the laws and helped pass the legislation that protects workers and individuals from being discriminated against because they have an issue with their mental health. It's ironic that, that the attorneys are fearful of something that they've helped create this protection.
2: That's so true, uh, and what Andy just said is so true, uh, which is that lawyers, uh, you know, we are trained not to show any weakness, and that's really the root of this problem, and what we hopefully can help lawyers understand is that asking for help is not being weak, it's being strong, and and that's what we need to do. We recently had a program for lawyers in recovery uh, at the Mass Bar, and including a judge, and it was a fantastic program with over 60 people attending, um, and many of whom had never talked to other lawyers who are in recovery. And just normalizing that, that these are folks who had an issue and are addressing it, and, and that that is a sign of strength is very powerful in our community.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, boy, does it make you feel good when you know you're not alone, and these feelings that you've had, no matter what field you're in, no matter what area of life you're in, these feelings are not just yours. Uh, they're shared by others, many others, if not all human beings. And I haven't brought this up, but Andy, uh, there are, for more, shall we say, serious cases, there there's certainly intense therapy, there's medication. I mean, there are a lot of options, uh, again, that you and professionals like you have, you can recommend, correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. Just talking to somebody is but a start, uh, especially for people who are suffering more deeply or long suffering. There are lots of different resources out there. Psychiatry is, is a good place to start as well in terms of getting medication to help with things like anxiety and depression. And that can make a really big difference quite quickly. But again, the the barrier is not accessing that treatment. The barrier is allowing the self to access that treatment.
0: Mm. Very well said. The Mass Bar Association has taken this on as a very serious project. What is the plan in the next year or two? Is is it simply to broaden the the reach, get more people aware of it? Or are there any other programs in, in flux at the moment?
2: Well, we have a strategic plan, uh, Jordan, which is mirroring to some extent what our SJC committee is doing and the national movement trying to work to uh, destigmatize help-seeking behaviors, partnering with our courts to increase bench-bar communications to increase well-being throughout the legal system, supporting uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives because that is very important to well-being um that we uh support those efforts there are many people many lawyers who are feeling isolated uh based on their race um continuing our education working in our law schools uh per the conversation you had uh, a few moments ago and also working on civility which is a major issue in our profession incivility unfortunately (laughs) uh, which creates a great deal of stress right. for lawyers. And we're working with, uh, as I said before, our county bars uh, to and our affinity bars uh, to bring the toolkit and the tools we've been discussing so that this message is really permeating the
0: state. It makes sense that you guys are here in this podcast one way to get the message out. We really appreciate that. And Andy, I meant to mention this earlier, but you probably use this example a lot. The You're on the plane and you put your oxygen mask on first. It's, I know it's become a trite uh, example, but it makes so much sense. If you're not up to speed with your own mental health and own inner peace, it's going to be a hell of a lot more challenging to help your clients.
2: Absolutely. Couldn't
0: agree more. Ann, before we close out, uh, what's the best way to find out more about this particular committee on the Mass Bar?
2: Thank you, Jordan. We have a well-being page on the Mass Bar website, and I would invite folks to go there uh, or they can contact me uh, directly at Sugarman & Sugarman, uh, Ann LeBlanc, M. LeBlanc at Sugarman.com, and I would love to connect with folks.
0: And Andy, what's the best way for people to reach out to you and find out more?
1: I have a private practice, Boston Professionals Counseling, and we have a website. You can reach me through the website. That's probably the best way to find me. For
0: all the people listening who are friends and family of attorneys, as well as the attorneys themselves, there's no reason in the world why you can't ask for help. Uh, We all do it, and it makes the world a difference. Thanks to both of you.
1: Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks for
0: having us. So nice to connect with people who are here to help. Marianne LeBlanc, attorney with Sugarman & Sugarman, and co-chair of the MBA Lawyer Wellbeing Committee, and Andy Kang, licensed social worker, bostonprofessionalcounseling.com. Asking for help anytime is okay, and you're never alone. You've been listening to the Mass Bar Beat Podcast, available free at massbar.org and downloadable on most popular podcast platforms, including Apple, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and more. Now, if you're a consumer in need of legal help, contact the Mass Bar Association's Lawyer Referral Service. Call 866-627-7577. Again, that's 866-627-7577, or visit masslawhelp.com. Let us connect you to a lawyer today. Mass Bar Beat is produced by the Massachusetts Bar Association, and we invite you to subscribe so you'll never miss a beat. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.